Welcome to Dinosaur George Kids, a show for anyone who loves dinosaurs. Dinosaur George has studied paleontology for over 50 years and has performed live to over 4 million students across the world. So sit back and enjoy today's show. Now, here's Dinosaur George. Hey there, future paleontologists. I'm Dinosaur George, and I am glad to be spending my time with you again. Raise your hand if you like dinosaurs. Well, I expect you are raising your hand right about now. Welcome to this uh, this podcast. Just want to mention we have now had 175,000 downloads. And we are now heard in 114 countries, 114 countries around the world. How crazy cool is that? The answer is super crazy cool. I am so, so glad and honored to have so many listeners and especially listening to you all over the world. Couple of shout outs before we get started. Shout out number one goes to all of my Patreon club members. We now have more than 300, I think 350, maybe 360 club members. So if you are a member of the Patreon club, a shout out goes out to you. Also, just five minutes ago, I just did a private lesson for uh, Miss Calhoun's class at Albert Einstein Academy. Uh, Nico, Nico and his parents were nice enough to sponsor me to have me do a lesson for the class. So I was able to do it. Nico, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, you, great classmates, you guys, and really good questions. And I learned something super cool, too. I found out that Miss Calhoun's brother, Robin Cordero, was an archaeologist or is an archaeologist. An archaeologist and a paleontologist are two scientists who have very similar jobs. Sometimes archaeologists can dig up fossils and sometimes paleontologists can find arrowheads or artifacts. But each one of those sciences is a little different and they both specialize. So I learned something really cool about archaeologist uh, Mr. Cordero and uh, Miss Calhoun. Your class was great. Nico, thank you very much. And to all of your classmates, I really enjoyed speaking to you guys so much. It was such a great time and it was good fun. And I hope that you enjoyed it. And thank you so much for doing that. Um, also, I am about to speak to my friends at West Bank Library, which I've done so many lessons for them, so many lessons for them. And I have that on my calendar. So when I get done with this podcast, I'm going to be teaching a lesson for West Bank Library and all of my friends there. And then this evening, I'm teaching a lesson for the Woodland Parks Public Library there in Woodland, California. So I will be teaching a lesson for them. So shout outs to all of you. I hope uh, I hope you all um, enjoy listening to the show. All right. Let's get straight into. It's time for our feature creature segment. If you would like to suggest a creature, go to the Dinosaur George Kids podcast page at dinosaurgeorge.com or post your suggestion on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group page. Now, here is your feature creature. I've had so, so, so many of you ask me to do a lesson on compies. So that is our, uh, to do a podcast on compies. And that's what we're doing today. Let's start off with a little bit of confusion. Is it Compsognathus, Compsognathus, or Compsognathus? The answer is yes. It's any of those. I've told you in other podcasts that when you are saying a word from the language, uh, which is Latin, and you're converting it to English, there's not necessarily a right or wrong way. I pronounce it compsonathus. I do not pronounce the letter G. 
I make the G silent, compsognathus. But some scientists pronounce it as compsognathus um, and compsognathus. Again, when you pronounce a word differently, a dinosaur name differently than other people, it does not mean that those other people are wrong. And it does not mean that you are right. It just means you pronounce the word differently. The word tomato. Some people call it tomato. They're not wrong. And those that say tomato are not wrong. They're just pronouncing it differently. Now, if somebody pronounces its name Campisognathorus, that's wrong. Because there's no Campisognathorus. But if you pronounce it Comsognathus, Comsognathus, or Comsognathus, there are different ways you can pronounce it. But I will tell you the truth. I always say Comsognathus, uh, but uh, most of the scientists that I know usually pronounce the G, Comsognathus or Comsognathus. But you can call it Compi. You can call it a Compi. So now that we've talked about the name, what does Comsognathus mean? Well, it means elegant jaw. What does elegant mean? Elegant means beautiful, um, uh, fragile. When they found this dinosaur and they looked at its jaw, its jaw was so skinny and so thin that they said it has a very elegant jaw. Elegant can also mean beautiful. So its name means elegant jaw. Now, this is a dinosaur that's confusing because so many people say it's the smallest dinosaur that ever lived. But that's not true. This dinosaur actually is estimated to be about 1.25 meters. That's a little over four feet. If you're young, its body was probably longer than you are tall. Now, it's not as tall as you because its body doesn't go straight up and down like ours. Its body goes longwise. But it's estimated to be about four feet long. How much did it weigh? 3.6 kilos or about eight pounds. So about as much as a, as a house cat or a small dog. They've been found in Germany and France and maybe even in Portugal. They found some teeth in Portugal that appear to be teeth from a compi. Maybe. They don't know yet for sure. It lived in the late Jurassic period. That's about 150 million years ago. It is a biped. Biped means it walks on two legs, not four. And it is a carnivore. It's really known from two almost complete skeletons, one that was found in Germany, one that was found in France. The one found in Germany was the first one they found, and it was a small one. At the time, they didn't realize that that was a juvenile. They thought that's, that was a full-grown adult. That's why people say it's the size of a chicken or it's the smallest dinosaur, because the first one found happened to be a young one, not an adult. If um, a spaceship landed on our Earth on a school playground and looked at all of you, they might think, these animals are kind of small. And you're like, hey, I haven't grown up yet, mister. Get back in your spaceship and get out of here. Not like any of you kids talk like that, but that would be funny. Get out of here. So the people in the spaceship fly back to their planet and go, wow. That planet has a bunch of these little short little people and they all yell, get out of here. We're never going back to that planet. <laughs> but you see what I mean? When they found the skeleton in Germany, it was small. So they said, oh, this is a little dinosaur. Now, it's certainly not big. Four feet is not big for a dinosaur, but it's still pretty big, bigger than what you might think. The thing that is very cool about Compsonathus, Compies is that this is one of the few dinosaurs that scientists know exactly what it ate. Now, sometimes, like with spinosaurids, they find um, fish scales and fish bones in their tummies. They know what spinosaurids eat. With copies, both of these specimens had the bones of lizards in their tummy where they were eating lizards. And it would make sense, right? Because it's not a big dinosaur. It's not going to be out there attacking, you know, it's not going to attack a, a sauropod. It's going to jump on the sauropod and chew on it. The sauropod will look at it like, uh, what are you doing? Uh, I'm trying to eat you. Uh, little kid, if you don't get away from me, I'm going to hit you with my tail. Okay, fine. 
So little copies, it makes sense that they were going to chase down little prey like lizards and snakes and insects. Maybe they eat the eggs of bigger dinosaurs when the mom or dad isn't paying attention. They could sneak in and steal an egg. Eggs are good. They may have eaten worms. They ate waffles. They Okay. What was that last one? Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They they don't eat waffles. Forget the waffle part. But everything else was true. So these little dinosaurs were really fast, and we know that they ate lizards because the two specimens that have found both had lizard bones in their tummies. Now, we don't know if they were feathered. We do know that, that one of the relatives, a closely related dinosaur called Sinosauriopteryx, Sinosauropteryx is a dinosaur that they do know it had feathers, and it's a close relative of Compies, so maybe Compies had feathers, but here's the difference. Sinosauropteryx lived in the Cretaceous period, Compies lived in the Jurassic, so maybe the feathers didn't develop on these dinosaurs until later on. Now, there were feathers during the Jurassic. Look at uh, Archaeopteryx. It's covered in feathers. So feathers were definitely there, but it's just that they haven't found a specimen of compies to say for sure if that animal had feathers or not. I believe it probably did. I believe that it did. Just my opinion. I believe it did. There was a very interesting study done by a group of scientists who thought compies lived in the water. They thought they were aquatic. They looked at their hands and arms and thought they looked more like flippers for swimming. Now, not everybody agrees with this. And I want to remind you all, you don't have to agree with people in science. That's not what science is about. If everyone agreed on the same thing, we wouldn't learn anything. You need to have people who are willing to look at the evidence and they might conclude something differently. They may have a different idea. That's what science is about. Never let anyone tell you that if your opinion of something is different from theirs, don't let them tell you you're wrong. Because sometimes all they're doing is repeating what they read or heard somebody say. That doesn't make them smart. A parrot can repeat what you say, but it doesn't mean a parrot is the smartest animal on the planet. Different scientists look at evidence and sometimes come up with different ideas. The scientists that came up with the idea that maybe compies were swimmers, I don't know if that's true or not. It doesn't look to me like its body would be made for being in the water. But remember this, when Spinosaurus was first found, nobody, nobody thought that it lived in the water. Nobody thought it was aquatic or semi-aquatic. They thought it was, they thought it looked like a T-Rex. And so we're constantly learning new things. And that's just an interesting fact that I thought was kind of, kind of cool that some scientists believe maybe it lived in the water. Now, because in its stomach, they found lizards. Well, that's absolute proof that at least it's hunting on land. And when you look at its skeleton, it, it appears to look like most other terrestrial dinosaurs, that is, dinosaurs that live their life on land. It probably spent the majority of its life probably going over the water just to drink. But I, I personally don't think it did. But I applaud the scientist who at least looked at the evidence and concluded something differently. Good for you. I always worry about scientists who are worried more about being part of the group than they are about proposing their ideas. And especially people who like dinosaurs, especially young people. I hear it so much. They hear a paleontologist they like say something and they go tell everybody, this is the only, this is the only answer. This has to be the fact. And they'll argue with you all day long because they're not willing to look at other evidence. A true scientist is somebody who looks at all the evidence and makes a decision, not agrees with everyone. Did they hunt in packs? Probably. Why would a little dinosaur want to hunt in a pack? I know you all know the answer to this. Some of you are probably screaming it right now. Because they can eat bigger things. See, I heard you. <laughs> yes, by hunting in a pack, 
There's a couple of things that it helps. One, it makes it easier to catch your prey if you are chasing the prey from different directions. Think about on the playground. If you ever play a game of chase and one person is it and everybody tries to catch them, it's hard to run away from five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten other kids. They can catch you. But if only one kid is chasing you and you're faster than them, they can't catch you. So copies more than likely hunted in packs, maybe not all the time, maybe they live by themselves. But there's another reason why I think they, they hunted in a pack, not just to be able to eat something bigger, but for protection for themselves, because medium sized carnivores are going to try to eat them. So maybe if there's a group, it's harder for a medium sized one to pick one out of the group because they're all running in different directions. So there's, there's lots of good benefits to being in a pack. And I think they probably took advantage. And I mentioned running, uh, running away. Scientists estimate that compies may have been able to run 40 miles per hour. I don't know how that transitions to kilometers. I'm not sure how that, how that, how that, what that thing is, but 40 miles per hour is crazy fast, way faster than you and I could ever run. If they were chasing us, they'd catch us in a heartbeat. Why are they so fast? Because they're catching things like fish. I mean, I'm sorry. They're catching things like lizards and probably little mammals and little dinosaurs. And they got to be fast to rush in. But, you know, they're not made for a fight. That's not what they're made for. They're not made to rush in and get into a fight. Like when you think of like Utah Raptor or Tyrannosaurus Rex, you think of those. Hey, speaking of Utah Raptor, just an FYI, for any of you uh, that are interested, I am doing a lesson for all Patreon club members this Saturday, November 20th, 2021 at 7.15 p.m. Central Time, Texas time. I live in San Antonio, Texas. At 7.15 p.m., that's my time, I'm doing a lesson on Utah Raptor. If you are not a member of the Patreon Club and you'd like to listen to that lesson, you can join the Patreon Club for as little as $1 a month. For $1 a month. And you can even join this lesson and then you can cancel your subscription. So you can pay a dollar if you want to join us. But I think if you join the Patreon Club, you'd like it. But anyway, I just wanted to mention that at 7.15 p.m. on November 20th, 2021, uh, I'm doing a lesson for all club members. There's three different club levels. You can join us. You can become a Triceratops or Raptor or T-Rex member, and you can join us for that lesson. So getting back to Utah Raptor, when you look at Utah Raptor, he's, he's more of a dinosaur that's made for a fight. It's coming in for a fight. It's a brute. When you look at T-Rex, it's coming in for a fight. Carcharodontosaurus, looking for a fight. Uh, Albertosaurus, Carnotaurus, looking for fights, baby. They're made for fighting. But compies are not made that way because they could break their bones very easily. So I think compies are going to be a little more careful about how they go about attacking their prey. Last thing, in the first Jurassic Park movie, they said that compies were venomous. They said that every time it bit somebody, the venom would start to make them weaker and weaker. There is no evidence at all that compies were venomous. There's no conclusive evidence that any dinosaur was venomous, although some paleontologists have suggested they might be. Dinosaurs are related to reptiles. Lots of reptiles have venom. It wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me at all. But in my opinion, I don't believe that these animals were venomous. All right, that is your today's feature creature, Compies, Compsognathus, 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 however you pronounce it. It's an amazing, cool little dinosaur. Let me take a quick break, and then we're going to do some Ask Dinosaur George questions. If you would like to become a Patreon Club member, here is a uh, message for you. Become a member of the Dinosaur George Patreon Club and join the fun. We offer different club levels, each with their own set of benefits. Private lessons, new discoveries, behind-the-scene access, and much more are all part of being a club member. Visit DinosaurGeorge.com and sign up today. 
Let's answer a couple of questions in the Ask DG lesson. Do you have any questions about dinosaurs? Just ask Dinosaur George. You can post your questions on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook page or click on the Dinosaur George podcast page at dinosaurgeorge.com. Questions are chosen at random and you can submit as many as you want. And now, here's Dinosaur George. All right. All of these questions I'm going to answer were all submitted through my Patreon club members. Now, I do answer questions that are posted on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group. And you don't have to pay anything to join that group. It's totally free. But today's questions are all coming from my Patreon club members. Let's go. Annabelle and Lachlan would like to know, were dinosaurs cold-blooded like a lizard? You know what, guys? We don't think so. The evidence suggests that they were probably more like warm-blooded. And we base that off of how fast they moved. Like their average walking speed was pretty fast. It also has to do with all the different environments that they're found in. Reptiles, cold-blooded reptiles, sometimes have a limit to where they can live. Because if it's a place that gets cold real often... They don't like it there very much. Yet some dinosaurs were living in environments that probably got super cold, at least during the wintertime they did. So dinosaurs all appear to be more like warm-blooded, more like birds, where their temperature is determined by a number of factors like how much they eat, maybe relying on the sun to warm them up a little bit. But I believe that they were more like warm-blooded mammals than they were cold-blooded lizards. All right. Um, Ameliosaurus asks, why did the Neuralgus rex get to be so big? Neuralgus rex. Well, what is the size of Neuralgus? Oh, you're talking about the giant rabbit-like thing, right? Right? Is that right? I think that's who Neuralgus was. I think it was a rabbit. Why did it get to be so big? Well, the reason why, and the word rex means king, by the way, and I should have known Neuralgus because there's a rabbit called Paleologus and Neuralgus. It's Neuralgus. That's how you pronounce it. Neuralgus. Yeah. Neuralgus is a rabbit. Uh, Legus, I think, means rabbit or rodent. Um, Neuralgus rex got giant compared to other rabbits because the environment allowed it to do so. The more there is to eat. And the more reliable the food is, the larger you become. If you're giant, but there's really bad droughts where there's no food at all, you generally don't make it. So it would suggest that where it lived, there was always plenty of food to eat to get it by. So it got bigger and bigger because it had an unlimited food source. So that's why. What a great question. Okay. Nathaniel Soros asked, was Giganotosaurus a scavenger or a hunter? Nathaniel Osaurus, I think it probably, number one, was a hunter and only would scavenge if it had the opportunity. But this dinosaur, Giganotosaurus, is too large to sit around and wait for something to die and then go eat it. Now, it probably also listened and smelled for other carnivores to make a kill and then go steal it from them if he was bigger. So I think, number one, it is a hunter. But yes, I think it would definitely steal food from other predators that were smaller. Or if it found something that had died, it would probably eat it as well. Good question. Okay, let's see. This is from Lorenzo. Dear DG, what is the largest raptor type dinosaur that ever existed? Thank you so much. And I love your show from Lorenzo, your five and a half year old fan from Amsterdam. Well, Lorenzo, so glad you like the show. So glad you're a member of the Patreon club. I appreciate you very much. Um, and you're five and a half. Nicely. Okay. Largest raptor type dinosaur. It's still Utah raptor, which by the way, your lesson is coming up this weekend. I'm sure you know that because I sent you through Patreon. I sent you the login details. Um, the largest right now is Utah Raptor, but there's a lot of argument about that. They found the bones of a much bigger Raptor called a Dakota Raptor, but I've never seen the final estimate in size. 
I only read a part where people were questioning if it was as big as what they claimed. And I never went beyond that. So I could be wrong. And I really need to try to find out by this weekend before we hold our Utah Raptor lesson so that I know for sure. But right now, Lorenzo, I would say for certain that it would be Utah Raptor. All right. Hi, DG. Ben wants to know what the Permian extinction was like and how it happened. Thank you. We love your podcast. Well, thank you very much, Ben. And thank you, Mom, Ben. What a nice name, Mom, Ben. Mom Bixby, thank you very much. Um, ben, the Permian extinction, it's hard to say for sure what happened because it's so far back in time that a lot of the evidence is gone. Let's say, for instance, an asteroid. Some scientists think it was an asteroid, just like the one that hit at the end of the Cretaceous period. Some people think it was the same group of asteroids, just another piece that happened to hit the Earth. Well, let's say that an asteroid struck the Earth and hit it. The problem is, so many hundreds of millions of years have gone by that erosion, the wind, the water, the rain, landslides, it erased that crater. We didn't even know it's there. So we can't see it. So we don't have the same ability. Now, when we look at the Cretaceous period, there they found the crater. It hasn't completely gone away. Another 10 or 20 million years, it might be gone too. So that leaves us with what it was. Well, some people believe it was just a big environmental change. Some people believe that it was an asteroid. Some people believed it just was a ton of volcanic activity that happened all at the same time. And whatever it was, it changed the environment very dramatically. It got probably unbelievably hot for a while. And it was probably hard to breathe and lots of plants died. 98% of every living thing died. Whatever it was, Ben, it was enormous. Whatever it was, it was ginormous. Unfortunately, I cannot tell you for certain what it was, but that's a very good question. Thank you so much for sending it to me. Okay, Madelanosaurus. Hi, DG. How big could stegoplates get? Stegosaurus. Love the dinosaur, by the way, Madelanosaurus. Um... Stegosaurus plates, the biggest plate I've ever seen was on a specimen I used to have. I had the whole skeleton of a Stegosaurus. We used to travel with it. Uh, it was a replica, not the real thing, but it was molded off of a real one. I want to say that the biggest plate, I think, was maybe just a little under a meter long, a little under three feet long, about two and a half feet maybe long. Maybe. I'm trying to guess. Maybe bigger than that. Maybe it was three feet. I don't know. It was it was fairly big, but it was, they weren't gigantic by any stretch. But the biggest plate would have been the one right over the center of the hips or a little bit in front of the hips. I think that's where the biggest plates were located. And I'm just going to guess maybe three feet long. Okay. Hi, DG. Alex from England would like to know what the largest predator of the Jurassic period was. Nice. I love the Jurassic period, Alex. Um, some people believe it's Sorophaganax. But others believe Sorophaganax is just an adult Allosaurus. I personally believe Sorophaganax is its own species, and I believe it was the largest predator, predatory dinosaur of the Jurassic, I believe. But there's other clues to one they call Epantarius. Again, a little bit of confusion. Is Epantarius real? Is it maybe just a Sorophaganax? Is it just another giant Allosaurus? Allosaurus was certainly... The, the one of the top predators because we find lots of them and that means there was a bunch of them and if there's a bunch well that means that they're successful but i would say that torvosaurus is probably up there sorophaganax is probably there i'm going to say this one more time and i know all of you that have known me for years always tell me would you please stop saying that because there's no proof but i'm going to say it anyway i still believe that the biggest predatory dinosaur that ever lived is going to be found in the Jurassic period. I still believe that we will find the biggest carnivore in the Jurassic. It just hasn't been discovered yet. I'm just saying that for the record. I personally believe that the largest carnivore that ever lived is going to be found in the Jurassic period. All right, let's keep going. Aminosaurus Rex. Hey, DG, were there other Spinosauruses? Yes, Amina, there were a bunch of different species of Spinosaurus. There were a variety of different species that all belong to the Spinosaurid family. There was a bunch of them. 
There was, uh, let's see, Ichthyovenator, Megaraptor, Ostrophicosaurus, Baryonyx, Suchomimus, who else? Uh, who else? Irritator, Oxalia. There's a bunch of them. So, yes, I, I absolutely, there was a bunch of different members of that family. And uh, Spinosaurus wasn't the only, it was just the biggest of the bunch. All right, my buddy Noah, my assistant Noah, what do you think about, uh, hang on. Okay, Noah, you completely tra- caught me on this one. Uh, what do you think about scleromocleus in a phylogenetic standpoint? Noah, I do not know the phylogenetics of the animal you're talking about. I would have to research it. You totally caught me off guard. I would have to research that animal to figure it out. You always have the hardest questions in the history of the world. You have the hardest questions in the history of the world. I'm going to have to look it up. I'm going to have to look it up because I, I, I'm guessing that's the little Triassic dude. Is that right, Noah? He's a little Triassic animal. And some think he's a lizard and something's that I'm going to have to look it up. But anyway. Those are great questions. Those are very good questions. All right. Now, let's jump over to Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group. For any of you that would like to post pictures and questions, this is the place to do it. You do not pay anything to be part of the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group page. And remember, it's Dinosaur George Kids. You don't have to pay anything to be a part of this. So let's go see who's on here. All right. Let's see. I think this is from the Cammies family. Hi, Dinosaur George. We absolutely love your podcast and listen to them in the car. That is super cool, and I'm so glad. Uh, we drove to see the Brachiosaurus footprints in a quarry in 1997 on the Jurassic Coast of England. Nice. Rex was thrilled and couldn't wait to show you them. Well, Rex, this is a brilliant picture of this. This is a brilliant picture, and I love those sauropod tracks. Man, do I love footprints. Footprints are amazing. This is so cool. Now, I'm guessing, Rex, that, um, okay, this picture, this picture can't be from 1997. If it is, you're an old man. You're all grown up. Maybe it is. But whatever the case is, Rex, this is a super cool picture. And I can see you could have probably curled up and sat inside of that track. So thank you so much for posting. That's so cool. All right. Joel Soros would love a feature creature on Megalosaurus first non-avian dinosaur to be discovered. Well, Joel Soros, that's an excellent suggestion. Megalosaurus is indeed on the list. And I will definitely do one. And I'm glad that you know about Megalosaurus as the first non-avian dinosaur to be discovered. Very exciting. I'm glad. They're very good to that. Okay, let's see. Um, 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 what else have we got? Okay, I think, I think, I think that that is about it. I believe. Let me just go through here and make absolutely sure that that is everything Oh, wait, Indominus Elijah Rex wanted to take a picture of an Allosaurus and a Utah Raptor. Man, this is so cool. This is such a great picture. This was a picture that uh, Indominus Elijah Rex took at the Brigham Young University. These are great. I love that position of that Utah Raptor. I like that one a lot. That looks so cool, man. It looks like you'd be a little chicken nugget. That's crazy, crazy cool. And then... And Dominus Elijah Rex sent me a video of, well, you know what? How about I turn up the volume and how about I play your video? Here we go. Let's try it again. See if I can do it. What is that? What's happening? One of the dinosaurs is in the volcano. Oh, nice. <laughs> what kind of dinosaur is that? Well, this video was absolutely amazing. That was so cool. Indominus Elijah Rex, I love it. You created a scene. You have a dinosaur in a volcano. I think you said it was Carnotaurus. Nicely done. Very good. I'm so proud of you, and thank you so much, so much for sending that. That's so cool. Okay, Kai and Lehman went to visit San Francisco last weekend, so, of course, 
They had to visit the local dinosaurs at the California Academy of Sciences. I love that museum. I haven't been there in a long time, but I love that picture of you guys. Hey, is that dinosaur wearing a face mask? How cool is that? It looks like the Tyrannosaurus Rex is wearing a gigantic face mask. Well, I'm so glad that it's being safe. <laughs> okay, Raiden, age four, from Romania. Hello, Raiden. So glad you're listening. Made a picture of Dinosaur George riding his friend Allosaurus trying to catch their dinner. Oh, this is great. So I'm on the back of an Allosaurus. Thank you for giving me all that hair. By the way, I don't have any hair. Raiden, this is great. Raiden has me riding on the back. Looks like I'm carrying a sword and we are chasing a Parasaurolophus. Ah, oh, this is so cool. This is such a cool picture. And what's really funny is Isabel, Isabel, my little friend Isabel screaming, no, not the Parasaurolophus. That's because Isabel comes to my museum and she holds the baby Parasaurolophus and shows other kids. That's really cool. (laughs) Okay, Peyton made this. I talked to my husband. I told him it's time to meet Dinosaur George. We decided we were going to head to San Antonio for spring break in 2022. Well, how cool is this? I would love to meet you all. I would love to meet you all in person, especially the Guinea Skunk. And this is a really cool, this is a great map. To even do the map of Texas. And even drew San Antonio. Well, we definitely, definitely have to meet. I would love to meet you guys in person. That would be crazy cool. All right, let's see. Um, oh, this is really cool. Looks like the Chase family put amazing... A huge Mosasaur sitting in a recliner. I guess it's watching TV. That's pretty cool. That's actually very cool. All right, let's see. Oh, then here's a challenge from the Sandoval family. They want to know what the names of the dinosaurs. Okay, first of all, you have a ton of dinosaurs lined up. So here we go. Looks like Triceratops. I'm guessing Mudiborosaurus, Euoplocephalus, Stegosaurus, Allosaurus, Pachycephalosaurus, Triceratops, Stigimoloch. Uh, is that Chasmosaurus, another Stegosaurus? Looks like Taurosaurus. Oh my gosh, look at all your dinosaurs. You have too many dinosaurs. I cannot name them all, but thank you for posting. That was great. Olivia Grace, our daughter says this is Dinosaur George fighting a lava shooting dinosaur and he's not winning. Well, that is it. Wait one minute. What did you just say? Olivia Grace. Sounds like such a great name. Our daughter says, this is Dinosaur George fighting a lava shooting dinosaur. And he's not winning, you stinking little kid! You stinking kid! Why on earth would you let the dinosaur shoot lava at me? You naughty kids. What am I going to do with you? Olivia Grace, I love your drawing. Shame on you. You naughty little kid for making me lose that fight. <laughs> My Chase family sent me more dino pictures. Man, I like those little dinosaurs. Very colorful. I like them a lot. That's really, really cool. Really, really cool. I like them a lot. Let's see. Oh, this is cool. Leo Raptor, who's a new member of the T-Rex Club, wanted to share this drawing he made. Thanks, Dinosaur George, for all you do. Hey, that's you're very kind to say that. And thank you guys very much. Leo Raptor, welcome to the club. Hi, I'm Leo. I am a new member of the T-Rex group. I had a question. What is the biggest raptor? Then you wrote down Utah Raptor. Nicely done. Nicely done. As a matter of fact, Leo, I hope you're able to join the lesson. And remember, Leo, if you can't join the lesson this coming weekend, I record them and you can watch them anytime you want. Um, and why is why am I getting attacked by all those things? There's a Utah Raptor with a pterosaur on its back, and I'm being assaulted by it. Why can't it run fast? Because its legs are not as long. Thank you, Leo. Thank you for having me be attacked, you little stinker. All right, Noel and Shane made a scene for you. Who would win? All of their dinosaurs versus Dinosaur George. You. Stinking little kid. You put, looks like, 30 dinosaurs versus me. You're going to have me. Noel, Shane, you naughty little kids. Oh, I'm getting you guys. I'm getting you guys. I can't believe you would do that to me. (laughs) 
Let's keep going. Marley Brachiosaurus wanted to s- share this picture of a Brachiosaurus next to Dinosaur George stuck in tar pit. Okay, once again, why am I always being attacked, bitten, stabbed, and now I'm stuck in the tar? Marley Brachiosaurus. Seriously, child? Seriously? You put me in tar? What am I going to do? What am I going to do with you little kids? Can't believe it. All right, here's one. Colin, age six, would like to know if T-Rex can jump. Well, you know, that's actually a good question. Probably, look, elephants can jump if you consider all four legs come off the ground at the same time, which they can do. It's hard for them, but it would be easier for a two-legged animal to jump than one that's on all fours. So right away, being on two legs makes it easier to jump. Can it jump? I don't know. It's awfully big. It certainly could if it needed to, but probably not very high. Like, for instance, if it came running in to attack something, it might leave its feet and go feet first at the animal to knock it down. That's certainly a possibility. It's not really made for jumping, but I think it certainly could do it if it needed to. Good question, Colin. Okay. Hi, Dinosaur George. Fred. Fredalosaurus and George Allosaurus want to share these pictures. We love the new Kentrosaurus episode. Hey, glad. I'm glad. And listen, I love these pictures, you guys. Indominus Rex. That is cool. George, you drew an Indominus Rex. I love your colors. I love the fact that it's roaring. That's really, really cool. And then here is cool. Uh, this is great. This is Fred Spinosaurus attacks a T-Rex. I like this one, too, and I love the bright colors. I love them very much. Boys, those were great. Those were absolutely great. Fred Allosaurus and George Allosaurus, good name, by the way. Thank you guys for sending me those pictures. I love them. And Dominus Theo, age five, had a challenge for, for me. Ooh, challenge for me. Can you name all the dinosaurs hiding in the sand? Why did Dilophosaurus have frills? How fast was he? Theo's sister, Reagan, got a shout-out on your last podcast. Theo was so excited for her and hoping for a mention as well. Thank you, Dinosaur George. We love your podcast. Hoping to be gifted a patron membership for Christmas. That would be really cool. Well, first of all, Theo, here comes your shout-out. What do you think about that, Theo? You even got a shout-out sing. Shout-out. Okay. So both Theo and Reagan got that shout-outs. Cool. Let's go to your challenge first. You've got a cool picture here. I would encourage anybody who's a member of the Dinosaur George Kids group to go look this picture up and you comment how many you think you can see. I'm not going to give it away, but I can tell you that looking at your picture, I recognize one, two, three, four, five. I think I recognize six, seven. I forgot the big one. I think I recognize seven. I'm not going to give them away because I want other people to to do it. But I'll tell you, this is a great, this is a really good challenge. I like this a lot. That's great because you you did some of them great because you hid them. It's kind of hard to tell. This is a great challenge. Very good challenge. Why did Dilophosaurus have frills? Okay, in real life, it doesn't have the frill around the neck. That was just made for the movie Jurassic Park. But that's not real. That's not true. It doesn't have the frill around the neck. That's number one. On top of its head, it does have, but we don't call those frills. We call those crests. A crest is on top of the head. A frill is on the back of the neck. So these would be called crests. Why did they have them? Probably because they use them to draw attention to themselves, to help find a boyfriend or a girlfriend, maybe to scare off other rivals, maybe to help them identify other members of its family. It's a great question. But it's kind of hard to tell how fast they were. That's also a little difficult. I think they were faster than most people think because this is a lightweight dinosaur. It's not a heavy duty, thick bodied animal. I think it was probably pretty fast. In fact, I'll bet you that it used speed as a way to catch most of its prey because it's not probably eating really big things. It's probably eating medium to smaller things, and it's probably chasing them down. Although some scientists believe that it may have been aquatic. It may have spent its time in the water catching fish. I don't know about that, but I do think whatever the case, it would have been relatively fast. Okay, let's see. This is, here's a drawing from Connor in Sydney. I have so many fans and so many 
uh, Patreon members from Australia. It's so cool. It doesn't look good for Dinosaur George. Well, here's an Indominus Rex eating a... You. Stinking. Kid. You drew a picture of me flying through the air, going right into the mouth of an Indominus Rex. You stinking naughty kid! What am I going to do with you? What am I going to do with you kids? I like your drawing. I just don't like the guy that's flying into the mouth of the Indominus. <laughs> Loved it, Connor. Thank you, buddy. That's very, very cool. Oh, here we go. Nice. The Aston family said, we just listened to the Stegosaurus podcast. Here's a Stegosaurus on its hind legs. Nicely done. They took their toy and made it stand up on its back legs. If you haven't heard the last lesson on Stegosaurus, please do so because I talked about this very thing. Thank you for posting this picture, you guys. It was absolutely great. As a matter of fact, they also posted a Spinosaurus eating a swordfish, which is really good. Uh, our, uh, it's a sawfish. Sawfish. And that's a very, very good. That's excellent drawing. Or at least there's a sawfish in the water. Maybe it ate a swordfish, but there's a sawfish swimming by. These are great. And I like the bright colors you gave it. And man, he's chomping on that swordfish. That's super crazy cool. And then they also posted a nice picture of Eoraptor. I need to do another lesson. I need to do a lesson on Eoraptor. And then they posted two Stegosauruses taking on two carnivores. And this is great because the Stegosauruses are head to head with those weapons pointing backwards. That is really, really cool. That is absolutely great. And then finally, a really cool picture of there's a Raptor. There's Raptor Blue. There's Raptor Charlie, Raptor Echo, Raptor Delta, Dinosaur George. Why am I in that picture? Why am I in that pin with four Raptors? Why did you put me in there with four Raptors? What kind of kid puts me in a pin with four Raptors? I cannot believe this. I cannot believe you did that. (laughs) All right, you guys. That was great. I hope you uh, I hope you enjoyed that. When we get back, we're going to end this one with some who would wins. But before we do, if you would ever like to have me speak to you for a private lesson or for your class, like I just did, uh, I just did the private lesson just a little while ago for the uh, students at Albert Einstein Academy. Thank you again. Nico, thank you, mom and dad, Nico, whichever of you paid for that to do that. Thank you. So let me do this on private lessons. And when we come back, we'll do a who would win. Hey, kids, you can have a private virtual lesson with Dinosaur George. Have him speak at your birthday party or have a lesson just for you. Lessons last 45 minutes and are available to all countries and time zones. Visit our store at DinosaurGeorge.com and order your own private lesson today. All right. You know what time it is. It's time for... Who would win? What if two different prehistoric creatures fought? Who would win? T-Rex versus a giant wolf? Raptor versus Terror Bird? Spinosaurus versus Triceratops. You choose the animals, and Dinosaur George will size them up and pick a winner. Now, get ready. It's time to find out who would win. All righty. To be able to submit a who would win, you have to be a T-Rex member of the Patreon Club, and here we Go. This is from Alastasiosaurus Rex. Alastasiosaurus Rex. Tyrannosaurus Rex versus Giganotosaurus versus Bahariosaurus versus Carcharodontosaurus. I like this one. Well, Bahariosaurus is going to be in danger, obviously, because he's in there with three giants. So it's got to be super careful. If it could back itself up, say, to a group of trees where the other uh, predators can't get to it. It's going to hold its own with those great, big, gigantic, long spine looking things sticking out of its neck. But Tyrannosaurus Rex, Giganotosaurus, and Carcharodontosaurus, these guys are going at it. This is going to be the battle of the century. Giganotosaurus and Carcharodontosaurus 
both have very thin blade-like teeth. They can make a very deep wound. Tyrannosaurus Rex could literally crunch through bones. If T-Rex gets his mouth on any of these guys, it could be game over. I have to be super careful about this because so many of my friends love Giganotosaurus and and Owen loves Carcharodontosaurus and JW loves Tyrannosaurus Rex. So I have to be careful about who I pick when it does these. But I still believe that in the case of this, as long as Giganotosaurus or Carcharodontosaurus don't grab it by the leg and injure its leg, because if they do that, no matter who it is, they can't fight anymore because they can't turn fast enough. But I don't think they're going to get past those teeth of Tyrannosaurus. I'm going to give this battle to Tyrannosaurus Rex. But I am going to say that once T-Rex is done with Giganoto and Carcharodontosaurus, I don't think he's going to have the energy to mess with Bahariosaurus. So it sounds crazy, but in my opinion, I say Bahariosaurus walks out the winner because the other ones have either died, been injured, or are too tired to fight. All right, Patrick, age six, from Canada. Who would win? Dinosaur George with a herd of Triceratops versus three metal raptors. Why did you throw me in there? Patrick, why did you throw me? Patrick, why did you throw me in with a group of, I'm going to get crushed by Triceratopses. It's a herd. And what is a metal raptor? You mean to tell me now raptors are wearing suits of armor and I'm supposed to fight that? Well, let me tell you something. Mr. Patrick, age six from Canada. Let me tell you something, buddy. Even if they have metal protecting them, nothing will stop the deadly stink bombs that I've got waiting for them. The minute the Triceratops herds see these three metal raptors, they're going to run away. And that leaves me with three raptors. I get one of the raptors by lifting up my right arm. I lift up my left arm and two of them drop to the ground and that leaves one left and he takes one look at me and turns and runs because nothing nothing can stop el stinko all right wait a minute who called me that i I am i am that's that's not my name (laughs) all right patrick ladon love this name patrick ladon wants to know a Titanoboa boa versus a Megalodon in water. Whoa, this is a good one. Patrick Ladon, this is a good one. This is very cool. Um, this is really good. Um, it, it's going to have to be in salt water, obviously, for Megalodon to be in there. And Titanoboa is a freshwater, probably freshwater hunter. Capable of going in salt water, so I don't think that matters much in this fight. Uh, the, the, the only thing that I would wonder is the fight is probably going to take place in deeper water because of the size of Megalodon. And that means that if Titanoboa was able to go up to the surface and get a big breath of air, it may have enough oxygen to take on something like a Megalodon. But Megalodon is going to crash dive into the deepest part of the water, dragging Titanoboa with it. I don't think Titanoboa would last long enough before it ran out of air. I don't think, because even if it squeezes Megalodon, well, let me think about that a minute. Megalodon is made of cartilage. That might be easier to squeeze. Maybe it wouldn't have to squeeze as hard. So maybe it doesn't. Man, this is a good, this is a good one. You know what? I'm going to give it to Titanoboa. It's not going to eat Megalodon after the fight, but let's just say... Megalodon attacked Titanoboa, so it's defending itself. That's the only reason why it would take on Megalodon. It's never going to swallow a Megalodon. But I think that if Titanoboa can wrap its coils around Megalodon before Megalodon gets a bite, I think Titanoboa might win, especially if he could wrap those coils around its gills to keep the water from flowing through the gills. That would actually drown Megalodon. Yes, fish can drown. So... I'm going to give it to Titanoboa. That's a good one. I like that one a lot. Nathaniel Soros says, Dinosaur George riding a Giganotosaurus versus a herd of Parasaurolophus. Well, the fact that I'm riding on the back of a Giganotosaurus, thank you very much for this, because that's going to make me the winner. Even if it's a herd of Parasaurolophus, they're going to look up and see Giganotosaurus rushing in with me, riding on its back, screaming, Woohoo! Woohoo! 
the Parasaurolophus are going to run like cowards. Now, hopefully, Giganotosaurus doesn't get too hungry since the Parasaurolophus ran away. I'm hoping he doesn't get too hungry because if he does, well, I'm in big trouble. All right. Uh, ben from Portland would like to know who would win between a T-Rex and two Megaraptors. Woohoo! Nice. You want to know something, Ben? I personally think two Megaraptors could beat a Tyrannosaurus Rex. I think it could. I think they could because, number one, they're probably faster. They've got really large claws with very powerful thumb claws. They could do a lot of damage. They would obviously be attacking the legs of T-Rex. And if they could get enough deep cuts into the leg to where T-Rex can't turn, then he's out of luck. Then Megaraptors are going to come rushing in and jump on top of him once he falls over. I like this battle a lot. Ben, I'm actually going to give this to two Megaraptors. Even though T-Rex towers over them, I'm going to give it to them. That's great. Okay, Samadarshi would like to know who would win between Yangchuanosaurus versus Albertosaurus versus DG without stink bombs. What did you just say to me? Samadarshi. You said Yangchuanosaurus versus Albertosaurus versus Dinosaur George without without my stink. You cannot take away my stink bombs. You rotten kids. You know I'm going to get eaten immediately by a Yangchuanosaurus. In fact, Yangchuanosaurus and Albertosaurus are going to fight over me. They're going to be fighting over who they get to eat. You cannot steal my stink bombs, you stinking kid. So obviously I got to go hide somewhere and watch this battle. Who's going to win? I think Albertosaurus is going to have an advantage over Yangchuanosaurus, both in size and in advancement, meaning its brain was a little bigger, I believe. This is a good one, though. Except for that part where I don't have my stink bombs, you little stinker. All right. Madelanosaurus. Baryonyx versus Triceratops with three Microraptors. This is an interesting one. Triceratops can hold its own. I think Triceratops can hold its own against Baryonyx. If Baryonyx is indeed a piscivore, meaning eating fish, then it's probably not really that adept at taking on big prey. Maybe it's not made for taking on big prey. I think in this particular case, the Triceratops could win. The Microraptors, they're going to be cool to watch. They're going to be running around going nuts. But I don't think that that Baryonyx is going to... That's what I think, Madelanosaurus. I think... I think that Triceratops is going to win this battle. It's a good one, though. I like it. All right. Uh, Cooper, age five, wants to know who would win. Plesiosaurus versus T-Rex. Spinosaurus versus Brachiosaurus in the water. And Allosaurus versus Dinosaur George with only one stink bomb. Well, let me get to that last one first, you little skunk. Let me tell you something, Cooper. One stink bomb is all I need, baby. One stink bomb and I take out Allosaurus without any problem. Plesiosaurus versus T-Rex. Well, that one's going to absolutely go to T-Rex because Plesiosaurus, the only thing it could do is hope it could get out into deeper water where Rex can't follow. Plesiosaurus could bite you, give you a pretty nasty wound. And maybe even those flippers could somewhat be of a kind of a weapon to slap you with it, hurt like crazy. Maybe even knock you down. But I think Rex would win. As for Spinosaurus and Brachiosaurus in the water, I would say that here, Spinosaurus has a little bit of an advantage. Brachiosaurus is not made for being in water. He's certainly not swimming. So I think, in my opinion, I think this is a good one. I think that Spinosaurus could actually do enough damage to where it could ultimately bring down a Brachiosaurus. That would never happen on land, though. Good questions. All right, Harrison, six years old, one baby T-Rex versus Harrison with Dinosaur George as a coach. Finally! Finally, I get to sit on the sidelines and not get eaten. Harrison, you're going to take on, you're six years old, and you're going to take on a baby T-Rex. And I'm the coach. Here's what I'd do. I'd be like, Harrison, listen up, buddy. First, I want you to run around outside and play until you're sweaty and hot. And then run into the ring, lift up both arms, give them a little stink bomb. That will knock the baby T-Rex over. And while he's trying to hold his nose, you can jump on top of him. The referee will count to three and you will be the winner. Harrison wins by stinking out a baby T-Rex. I am the best coach in the world because I taught you how to use your stink bombs. 
All right, Jude, age four, wants to know who would win between Utah Raptor and Kylosaurus Titanoboa, Scorpius Rex, and Dinosaur George without his stink. You little stinking kid. Would you stop? Would you stop putting me in the ring with these dinosaurs if you're going to take away my only weapon? How can El Stinko win? Who called me that? Who said El Stinko? How can I win without my stink bombs? You little stinker. All right. So first of all, Utah Raptor and Kylosaurus, Titanoboa and Scorpius Rex. Scorpius Rex, too much to handle. Even though Ankylosaurus has great armor, Scorpius Rex is too powerful. Titanoboa, probably never going to get those coils around Scorpius before a bite takes place. And once Scorpius Rex bites Titanoboa, he's going to bite him in half. So that leaves Scorpius Rex in the ring by himself. Because where am I? I got on a motorcycle and I got out of there, you stinking little kid, because you took my only weapon. What kind of kid are you? And by the way, <laughs> mom or dad, whoever wrote that, <laughs> it's I'm I'm happy to do it. <laughs> All right, Luca Rex, who would win? Truodon versus Komodo Dragon. Whoa, this is an interesting one. This is an interesting one, Luca. This is a good one. Truodon is going to be faster than a Komodo Dragon, but a Komodo can move very quickly when it needs to. Man, listen, this is a good fight. Truodon is not going to bite through the thick hide of a Komodo dragon is the only problem, I think. I don't think its teeth are made to go through it. Komodo only has to get one bite, and then you know what happens there. He's going to bite, he's going to grab, he's going to shake his head from side to side, and Truodon is just going to get obliterated. This is a very interesting one, but even though Truodon can stand back at a distance and fight, I just don't think it has the ability to do enough damage to something with with the skin as thick as a Komodo dragon. This is a good one, Lucas. I like that a lot. Good job, Luca Rex. That's a good one. That's a good one. All right. Um, Eleanor sent, this is from Oscar, age six, who would like to know who would win. Cooper versus Triceratops. Well, who is Cooper? Who on earth, what, who is Cooper? What is Cooper? See, I have no idea who Cooper is. The only Cooper I know is Tires. And then there's a little car named Cooper, right? Okay, you totally had me stumped on this one. Oscar, this is too hard to answer. I have no idea. Who is Cooper? Is Cooper your brother? Because if it is, Triceratops wins. Is Cooper your dad? Because if it is, Triceratops wins. Is Cooper the name of your dog? Because if it is, Cooper wins. <laughs> All right, my buddy Noah. My buddy Noah. Oh, you sent five good ones, Noah. How do I choose? How do I choose? Oh, man. Noah, let's do your Megatherium versus Utah Raptor. The other ones are great. But th this, I like Megatherium versus Utah Raptor. For those of you that don't know, Megatherium is also called the giant ground sloth. Now, it is not going to be anywhere near as fast as Utah Raptor, I don't think. I believe it can't spin around as quickly so utah raptor if it ever gets in from behind it is going to launch itself and land on its back now as we know megatherium may have had little pieces of body armor osteoderms little pieces of bone embedded in the skin that would have given it some sort of defense but i think because utah raptor is capable of probably twisting and turning its body a little bit better that in my opinion i believe that it's probably going to be able to uh uh to outmaneuver and then ultimately win its fight against something like Megatherium. All right, all my friends, I have got a lot of episodes scheduled. Uh, I'm going to be doing a lot of episodes, but now I've got a very important announcement for everybody. On November 24th of this year, 2021, November 24th, on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group page, I am going to do a free lesson, a live lesson 
for everyone. I'm going to do a live lesson on November 24th. That's the day before Thanksgiving for everybody here in the States or in the United part of the United States. It's going to be at 5 o'clock Texas time. It's going to be 5 o'clock Texas time. It's going to be everybody can come to it. It's completely free for everybody. You don't have to be a club member. I will try to simulcast it to my Dinosaur George page, but I'm going to do it through the Dinosaur George Kids page. So the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group page. So that will be at 5 p.m. November 21st, 2021, 5 p.m. Central Time. Everybody is invited to join. I'm going to do a lesson on dinosaurs. Just a general lesson on dinosaurs. It's free for everybody. So if you would like to be there, I hope you are. Uh, and I hope you I hope you join the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group. Not the Dinosaur George page, the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group page. All right, my friends, that's it for now. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. I'll be doing a lot more. For everybody out there, take care of yourselves. Be kind. Practice your reading. Be nice to everybody and tell your parents you love them because they need to know. No matter how old you are, you need to tell your parents you love them. Take care, my friends, and I will see you all soon. listening to Dinosaur George Kids. Join the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group, become a member of our Patreon club, and check out our website store for cool fossils, rocks, and crystals. Visit dinosaurgeorge.com for details. Until next time, keep digging for knowledge. Yeah.